Welcome to the Childcare Revolution podcast, where we talk about all things childcare. Hi, my name is Tegan. Hi, I'm Patricia. And I'm Stephanie. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Welcome back to episode 13 with EC Honestly and the Child Care Revolution pod. Last week, we left off talking about parents and the sacrifices that they have to make in order to be able to get child care for their children. Let's dive back to where we left off and continue. And it's because all these inequalities that if we, if only we had the universality of childcare, mm-hmm. nobody would have to go through like all this process. Like, and I think it's unfair to, to like require parents to do all this research to like find the best childcare for their child. Yeah. Like, whether it's licensed or not, whether this is a good quality one, like, am I making a bad decision for my kid? Like, yeah, totally. And I mean, like, as a parent, like, I, you know, can only assume, you know, as you know, quality parenting, you want to make the best decisions and you want the best for that little person that you've brought into this world. But yeah. you're, you're, you're literally working through a system that is designed to make you fail. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And going back to that topic of quality, there's the big question on what is quality and, mm-hmm. and how do we make it come to life? And that's also varies heavily across provinces. So yes. for instance, for us, we have um, the Child Care and Early Years Act, which is now under revision and is possibly changing in 2020 in Ontario. Oh, 2021. Oh my goodness. I just forgot what year we were in. (laughs) Um, Based on everything that's happened in the last like two weeks of 2021, I think we're like, you know what? This is still 2020. (laughs) It's not even a year anymore. It's just like, you just sit. Oh my gosh. Um, So we have the Ministry of Education with the Child Care and Early Years Act, and it might be changing 2021. And it's pretty scary because once again, they've gone back to the idea of heightening our ratios so increasing uh they yeah i don't know if you've had the opportunity to see it at all but um they want to increase the age in each classroom so i think toddlers they want to say two-year-olds can be in a preschool classroom of 24 children what no yeah And so that's just, that's just one of the things they also want to make a unlicensed registry of childcare, unlicensed childcare registry so that people can find unlicensed Unlicensed childcare, which is great. Um, Obviously I, if you don't know, I'm a very sarcastic person. So would the, cause I mean, we have something kind of similar in BC. Um, as so what basically what we have is like, our, so our ratio here is, and, and, and everything is kind of based on, again, municipality. So we have something called Vancouver Coastal Health and Fraser Health. Um, okay. and that's kind of where your licensing um, officers will be from. And that's, again, based on municipality, right? Um, mm-hmm. And 
you know, what we, what we have is, and I've always said this, like licensing requirements are great, but they're nowhere near what they should be. Right. Like it's very basic and it's, it's, it's so basic that we're just there to just meet a safety standard. It's either, um, it's either over-regulated or highly under-regulated. Like 100%. there's, there's no in between. 100%. Um, and like for us, uh, and it really depends on the philosophy of each individual licensing officer, right? So, and, you know, are they, you know, are they more traditional? Are they the type of people that's like, this is what it says, therefore we have to follow that, right? And it's like, that actually makes no no sense when you actually put it into practice like it makes no sense versus somebody else who's going yes this maybe this is what the paper's saying but clearly this is not benefiting this community this you know this society so how are we going to find ways that we yeah we can meet these requirements but more importantly we're meeting the needs of these children of this of this community which is what it should be right exactly and um kind of like that like it depends for us municipality by municipalities as well but majority of Ontario um, focuses on the two frameworks that we have Uh, elect is kind of a framework that is still in existence still circulates so elect is uh, early learning for every child today and it's basically a stage theory so it has ages and stages what each child should be accomplishing at each at each um, age Mm -hmm. and this is phasing out. It's not used, but it is still used at the same time. And then we have the how does learning happen document, um, which is more used. And this is the framework that is very openly used in different centers. So it's not like people just put it on their website saying, this is what we follow when it's not what they follow. Right. (laughs) As per usual. Um, So this becomes an issue. And And then those are the two things that are done by the Ministry of Education. So the Ministry of Education will come in and it's not, it's not looked at properly when they enter these classrooms. But then you go into Toronto and they have, they actually have to follow AQI, which is, um, oh my goodness. Assessment quality AQI. <laughs> I've had to write it out <laughs> so many I? times recently, and I'm blanking. There's so many acronyms I find, like in in our sectors, that you're just like, "Okay, hey, what does this stand for? What is that?" <laughs> Learn it out, knowing what it is, without actually knowing what it stands for. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's essentially like a set of criteria. Like it's very specific. Like how many books you have to have in your classroom, like oh, God, those okay. kind of things. Yeah. And then it's, it's just like, it's getting bureaucratic, like, yeah. almost. it's, it's heavily like policed. So like, Same. they'll come in and they will literally be um, going through all of your toys and everything Every in corner. the classroom, <laughs> making sure that there's like nothing there. There's no dust, no nothing. Each child, like say you're in a classroom of 15 toddlers. I think it's each child needs to have like two books on the shelf each. What? They need yeah, like 30 insane. books on a shelf. Mm-hmm. That's really overwhelming for little children. Yes, it is. It is. It is. And that's not even the, like, that's just a minor corner. So, like, yeah, we're yeah. kind of going back to like a regimented, like military grade, you know, list versus a philosophical one based on, again, research and evidence to say that's actually not going to benefit these children. Like, exactly. you know what I mean? Um, no. 
yeah, that's, that's really ridiculous. Um, like here, what we have, um, kind of like, you know, those, um, kind of like what you were saying about your, uh, the frameworks, we have something called the BC early learning framework, um, or it's better known as ELF. And that recently, um, went through a revision. Um, and what, and it's what we, I mean, the older version was good because it was based on um, pedagogy on, um, you know, creating environments um, that, you know, are beneficial to children that, you know, serve, you know, that community that serve the learning of that child of viewing the child as having knowledge and how are we helping them unleash knowledge, right? And this newer version that's recently come out that's actually getting a lot of praise from a lot of people in the ECE community here in, B- here in BC, um, again, more specifically here in Vancouver, um, is the fact that, you know, we, in this framework, we talk about um, decolonizing, you know, the, the field of education, um, you know, where we talk about, mm. um, you know, all the, all these new, um, all the, all the new philosophies and all the new ideas, you know, that we are trying to push and promote. And now we actually have a framework that is, you know, provincially not mandated yet. I don't know if they will or will not mandate it, but mm-hmm. you know, that is something that's come from government that's saying this is what you should be basing, you know, your classroom environments on, which is which is a good thing, right? Because again, we're coming back from we're coming back to um to this understanding that you know education does need to change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, I think I like yours better than I like ours. <laughs> so, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, how does learning happen is a, is a great document. It's, I find it can be a little basic at times and a little bit, um, left up to too much interpretation. I'm more of like a middle ground person. I think we need a bit of regulation, but also open-endedness and where 100%. you can be innovative and, and design what you feel is best based off of your education. Forget to understand, right? We're not saying that it should all be like free and do whatever you want, you know, because, you know, there should be an element of safety standards that we need to be meeting because you are working with extremely vulnerable, you know, little people, right? Like nobody's saying that there should not be safety regulations or like, you know, we should not mandate certain things, but at what point are we literally like going, okay, did we check off the list of everything we were supposed to do today versus yes, we're still needing care and safety. You know, we're still doing that aspect of everything, but how do we also merge the, you know, the, the, these new philosophies and, you know, kind of go through the flow of the day versus having a, you know, a mandated schedule of things that we should be meeting or has the, you know, has that one toddler read those two designated books, you know, that, that <laughs> yeah. be for them. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's just, for us, it's like a dream. I hopefully a dream that's going to be brought to reality soon enough, but <laughs> it's, it's just so it just doesn't make you feel like an educator. It just feels like you're just either a babysitter or you are, you're just a person with a stack of paper that you're just checking off constantly. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and it's just, it doesn't allow for children to have the education and care that we need, uh, that they need and that we need. I'm yeah. heavily focused on educators well-being in the classroom and in the work environments. And these documents do not promote that either for no. Either, no. either person. But I so, think also something that's, um, you know, that we 
also is ever changing, right? Like we talk so much about the needs of the child, the needs of the child. And again, yes, that that's important. We are here to, to service the education of these children and, you know, the care of these children, but also understanding that we as educators, you know, we, we're in a sector that gives so much, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically, mm-hmm. um, you know, we also need to be taken care of. Definitely. And knowing that our well-being like directly affects the children that we're taking care of too. 100%, you know, like if, you know, if, and I mean, I'm sure we've all, you know, we've all, we all have bad days, right? Like Mm -hmm. we all have days where maybe our mental health is just not where it should be. And, you know, the having to force yourself to, you know, to be peppy, to be the, you know, to be that educator, to be, you know, you know, come into work and, and fake happiness for lack of better words. That's, that's a challenge when all, maybe all you want to do that day is like lay in bed and, and have a good cry or whatever. Right. Especially when you're in an environment that's just not healthy either. And like, at one point, I think I just got to my kids where we were so real with each other. And I'm like, Miss Stephanie's not having a good day today. So I'm just going to be a little bit like down and they would just understand. And yeah. it's just like, you need to have that with them. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that like an environment that was bad brought out a realistic relationship. But that, and I think that <laughs> like, to, you know, how you view children, right? Like you, you view them capable enough to understand and to have empathy towards an adult, right? Like, you know, being able to say to, you know, a, a group of children, like, I I'm sad today or I don't feel well. Like I, you know, I, I'm not going to be the same person that I am the other days. And for those children to have, you know, that understanding that, okay, maybe we're going to take a little step back and give Miss Stephanie some space, you know, because I understand that sometimes that's what I need when I'm upset. Right. Like Mm -hmm. that's amazing. And that it shows the, that level of understanding that children can have, right? Like we, we do yeah. not value childhood. And again, this kind of comes back, to, it all comes back to politics. Like if we value children and childhood, we're going to see that as important. And we're going to see that, um, you know, having, you know, quality education from early on is, is, is a, a benefit, right? Like, and again, that all comes back to also, what is your view on childhood? How do you view children? Do you just view them as these mindless little beings that we are just going to have in society, but not actually value until they reach a certain age or until they reach adulthood versus seeing them as capable um, and you know members of society that deserve as much respect as anybody else? Yeah, and choice. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Like, that's what it comes back to. Like we were talking about at the beginning, choice of women, choice of families, choice of children. Do they want to go to early childhood education and care? Like, yeah, they should have a little bit more say in that as well. And just and how do they want it to be? Yeah. yeah. What kind of environment? They want. Absolutely. And, and I mean, that's that's vital as well, because if you're mm-hmm. forcing a child and I mean, sometimes this again may it may just have to be out of necessity, but you know, if you're forcing a child to go to an environment that is toxic for them, like you're doing that child a disservice, right? Like yeah. there are certain children that don't want to go to certain um, childcare environments because it's a toxic environment and they don't want to be there. Right. But yeah. many times because there's no other choice, again, they just, they they, no say. They, have, 
yeah, they have exactly, they have no say. And because, you know, a parent has to work, I'm sorry, but you have to go to this environment every day and suffer. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Traumatic all around. Absolutely. <laughs> so with all of that, I think, do we kind of cover what we wanted to? I think we went in like many different directions. <laughs> I like it. It worked out well, I think. <laughs> we, got, we got there. Um, <laughs> I think the one question though, is that we're, I don't, uh, the last question that we kind of had was, what do you want to see from a future provincial government or federal government? Oh um, like, do, we have, do we have another hour? <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a short couple of sentences. And ideally, what ministry would you like to see them under? So definitely here in BC, um, we need to make that change. We need to step away from being under the BC Ministry of Children and Family Development, and we need to be under the BC Ministry of Education. Like that in itself is just like, that should just be obvious. And it's not obvious to us, I think here, because it's just been that way for so long that when you're finally kind of being brought to that alternative, you're saying, if, if you yourselves are educators, why are you not under that same umbrella as every other educator? Then that starts mm-hmm. making sense to you. You know, that little change could mean a vast of difference, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Definitely that would be one. Um, and I think we also need a, a pay grid, much like our teachers here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like we are so heavily, heavily, um, ba- you know, our, our uh, wages are heavily uh, dependent on childcare fees, which is again, a whole other topic, right? Those are sky high. Um, and you know, parents are paying ridiculous amounts to have their children in quality environments. Um, but of those childcare fees, so much of it has to be allocated to like the lease or, um, you know, can we keep the lights on? Do we have hot water? (laughs) like in every household, right? Like, yes, you, maybe you make a certain amount of funds, but how much of that is actually going to go in your pocket versus how much of it is going to somebody else. Right. And if you, you know, if you work in a private daycare, your fees (laughs) might be significantly lower because there's only so much money that can be allocated towards the people actually working versus you work in a nonprofit now you have to prove why you need all those donations and all those grants. Do you get um, a wage enhancement grant? It's dependent on, so it used to be very dependent on from center to center. Okay. Um, so in my last center that I worked in, if, and it's, and it's interesting. So if you are an assistant, um, you might make, you know, a certain amount that is significantly lower than um, say an infant toddler educator. You kind of max out at a certain amount once you get your infant toddler education Mm -hmm. and in many places if you do keep going and get special needs or a degree that's great you've just spent all this money getting a degree but that means no of no that's of no monetary benefit to you like you know what I mean um and in other societies it might just be like we want equality so everybody gets paid the same which I also don't agree with because I should not be paid the same for having, you know, for investing in that education so that I could work with a younger age group or a more vulnerable age group. I should yeah. not like the person who was who maybe just took basic um, ECE to work with, uh, you know, with school age children before and after school should not be paid the same as me. Yeah, I you know agree. I mean? So it's, it's, it's really, 
it's kind of odd in that sense. Um, but what I will say right now for the NDP, NDP government um, is that they are slowly starting to, we are slowly starting to have wage enhancements. Um, so it happens from year to year. I think the first year, it's basically going up in increments of a dollar or $2 a year. So we are slowly starting to see that we are getting um, a little bit more, a little bit more money. So it's like, you know, you get paid your wage from your employer, but then the government's going to top that off with an extra $2 a pay, uh, an hour, a paycheck. Okay. That's what we have here, which I think our conservative government tried to get rid of at one point um, <laughs> as per usual. Um, so yeah, so we get the $2 an hour, but I think the one thing that's really unnecessary when it comes to that is like, you can't include that when you're like applying for a mortgage. It's not, it's not consistent income. That's so, like as well. Yeah. It's still, yeah. it's basically like you, yes, you get that extra money, but it really doesn't service you other than you are making more money, but in your again, it's the same yeah. thing. it doesn't really count as anything. Yeah. Right. So that's interesting. Just wanted to, to see yeah. if we were kind of on the same page in that sense too. How about you, Tegan? What do you want to see? <laughs> it's sad to say that even though we are already under the Ministry of Education here in Ontario, that doesn't mean that we're any better than in BC. Right. <laughs> Which is sad. But I do believe that, like, um, having it under the Ministry of Education will benefit, mm -hmm. like, the journey toward, like, making childcare a public good, just like public education rather than like social welfare that you mentioned, mm -hmm. right? Um, at this point, I don't even know. Like my hopes high. Yeah. And um, it's just how this government's been treating the ECEs and children and families kind of like, it's sad, but um I'm hopeful for the national childcare system that is on the table um, and uh, about like Canada having their um, national secretariat mm -hmm. to help build this system. Um, obviously don't know how long it's going to take and how it's going to unfold, but um, that's my hope for now. I would be... Sorry, go Kayla. I was just going to say, I think ideally, like, and I think that most ECEs across the country, you know, regardless of province or territory would agree, like, we literally just need a federal mandate. Right. Right. <laughs> I think like going on the child care secretariat is like, it's such a great idea. And the fact that maybe it could one day even just turn into like an early childhood education and care ministry. And it's solely based on that, because honestly, I'm going to be real with you. I don't want to be attached to the school systems. I don't <laughs> believe in their education system whatsoever. No. I do not want childcare looking like that education system. No, I like, I like how childcare has the opportunity to be both, to be um, innovative and different and yeah. focuses on the children's needs rather than what we think the children need. Sure. And, and so I think that would be something kind of interesting. Obviously, how feasible that is, probably slim to none. Um, Unless but, like some miracle happens or more people just start actually gaining awareness, right? And, yeah. and I think it literally just kind of all comes back to the ignorance of the majority of our society. Yeah, 
right? Like, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate because it's literally, you know, and I've had conversations with people where I'm trying to argue my fact and I'm just like, you know what? I give up. Like <laughs> you, you're so set in your mind that this is the only way that this is that there, there's just no point in me wasting my breath, even trying to, you know, trying to, um, what's the word I'm looking at? Like educate you on why it's not that way. Yeah. All right. And I think a lot of the problem that we have in our uh, ECC system, oh, not system, sector. <laughs> we don't have a system yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> lots of what we've been dealing with um, are also interrelated to um, other care sector, like long-term care, because we're all, like, we have, we, we are still devalued. Yes. And that's, I feel like that's the core of the problem that um, in our society nowadays, um, care is devalued. Care is just like something that people don't want to spend money on, don't want to spend their funding on and um, something that they think don't benefit them. But we have to change that mindset that care is the core of the society and how we're going to survive this pandemic. Yeah. Um, but it's hard. But I think, again, it just kind of comes back to this idea that care should be free labor. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, yeah. and that's always, and I mean, it was for such a long time that much like anything else, like it slowly is going to start, you know, it's going to be a very slow, long process until we finally reach that goal. Yeah. You know, and it's just going to take a lot of fighting. Yeah. Like I've been very anxious about the future and I should stop looking at future <laughs> job prospects and what I could possibly get into after my degree is done. Um, but I actually was researching and I came across a couple of sites and they said the worst possible fields or sectors to get into is early childhood because <laughs> your, your rate of return, and this is just solely based off the rate of return from um, how much money you put out into education versus how much of a return you get. And it's, it's brutal. Like we were like, I think number nine out of 10 on the worst list. And of course, like... people working in that sector, you're like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> makes sense. But, you know, it's funny, like people always ask me, like, why did you go into education? I'd be like, well, obviously it wasn't to be a millionaire. You know, you, you go into this right. sector very well knowing you're, you know, you're not going to make a, you know, a decent living wage, much less mm. anything beyond mm. that, right? Like you're, I think like you're, you're lucky if you even make a decent living wage, right? Like that yeah. in itself is whole, like, this is a good thing, you know, which might seem ridiculous to other people, but is very much a, a, you know, a universal truth amongst the ECE community. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, why do we go into this sector? Because we understand the value behind it. We understand why it's important. And if, and I, and you know, I'll put this out there. If you, you as a person are a quality childhood, early childhood educator, you understand that there is an advocacy part to your job that mm -hmm. you have to maintain throughout, yeah. you know, throughout your, your career. Yeah. Agree. Totally it's like, agree thinking back to myself a couple of years ago when I just graduated and I was like, people were like, why are you going into it? There's no money. And I'm like, I don't care about money. I don't need it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I have so many bills to pay for. And that's me yeah. being my ignorant, naive 
like <laughs> early 20 self and I'm just like oh my god like I actually do I do need to have a living and I shouldn't feel bad about asking for that yeah totally and like having it and yeah. I, I don't think I've said this many times is I don't think any ECE is expecting like you said Kayla to be millionaires I don't think they're even expecting to make 100k I think everyone just wants enough money to like have a little bit of saving a little bit of comfort yeah. and do the job that they love so that I'm not like worried you know and many educators yeah. live paycheck to paycheck and that's just a sad reality but they're so dedicated in that sector you know like the the work that they do is amazing and you see it in, you know, in the communities that they, that they, that they work in or in the children that they, or with the children that they work for. Right. Like there is, you know, there is a certain reward that is not necessarily monetary that does come with this, that does come with this field, but I should not have one or the other. Like I, I should be like, I should be entitled to have both. Right. Exactly. You know, like, you know, we put so much, you know, we put so much um, dedication and hard work um, into schooling. And, you know, again, if we if we were to actually look at everything that we have to learn, you know, from biology, you know, many of us had to learn, like, how how does gestation affect, you know, a child later on? Right. Like you learn you basically learn how certain things can factor into a little person's life as early on as conception. Yeah. You know, and you know, you touch on everything from biology, <laughs> psychology to this, to that, like, and it's all wrapped up in, in care and love and you have to learn it and you have to learn it fast. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> sorry I'm like my throat's dry I haven't I don't think I've talked this much in so long after being done school it's like when you're off the zoom you just don't use your voice <laughs> um but yeah um <laughs> I I don't know even know what I'm saying <laughs> it's, like, it's so it's so much right and I mean this this could very well be like a four hour long episode right just because there are so many subjects that we have to talk you know that that are worth tackling but for you know for the sake of not taking up too much time like yeah you really much have to condense it but I think it's worthwhile for you know the ECEs who are listening you know to understand that they are going to be their best advocate. If they want to see change in this field, first of all, uphold the title of educator. Do not uphold that title of babysitter, you know, and that's very much reflected in how you work, how, what your practice is and what you do, right? Like you yourself are going to be your best advocate by being a professional in your sector. And again, that's upholding the title of educator and not upholding the title of babysitter. And secondly, like getting out there and, you know, using platforms like this or sharing platforms or episodes like this to people who may not understand or refuse to understand why this is an important sector, because I mean, the research is out there, the knowledge is out there, the studies are out there. The difference is, are people willing to actually go and like, look for it or read it or listen to it? Yeah. You know, it's just being able to make it accessible. Like that was one of my biggest things was after learning about advocacy is a lot of work, yes. but there's, there are parts of it that don't require a lot of energy. 
No. And you can just do it daily, something small. For instance, finding one news article to read or one study mm-hmm. to read. And you just, that's all you do for the day. But that's advocacy work. You're, yeah. you're yeah. taking that time to learn something new. Okay. And, and I, on my own personal ECE account, I've actually, like Instagram account, I was making these how to advocate for yourself in ways that you feel comfortable. And I think that's so important is that start off small. We're not expecting you to go out there and make your own podcast and like (laughs) be so open and talking about um, how you feel and who you are in the sector. But just taking some opportunity to do something for a sector is more beneficial than not and Mm -hmm. will make a massive amount of difference in our in our world yeah I like that and this idea of like you don't have to be loud in order to advocate no and And I mean if you are that's great (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) everybody I think there was uh oh my goodness I always forget his name but it was in one of my courses that I took and he was basically it was on he was the idea of ecology and his basic thought was the fact that when I find his name, I will add it in the description down below because honestly, I'm blanking. But, pardon? Peter Moss? No. What did he say? He basically said that um, in all types of advocacy work, you need the people that are doing like the major movements and then you need the people doing the little ones so you need people thinking about the long run and people doing the short term so that's something Mm -hmm. that we as ec should consider definitely is if you don't want to do something long term think of short term or vice versa totally i like that a lot all right. Well, I think that's a wrap then. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> <Did it. laughs> I love that. Thank you so much, Kayla. No, thank, you. Awesome. thank you, Kayla. I, I, for having I us. thought that was awesome. Um, when you reached out to me, I did not know that, you know, some, but it's amazing how, you know, in this day and age, social media can, you know, can connect people in such a way, right? Like, yeah, we've never would have crossed paths if it was not for Instagram, right? And exactly. the fact that you can make these connections, you know, provincially, that's going to speak so much to the unification of early childhood. Because yeah. we are all fighting the same fight. And in our, you know, in the unification of us as educators, we are going to be a stronger source of power. Exactly. They don't want us talking. They don't want us knowing each other's difficulties and successes. So well, you gotta smash that patriarchy, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so true. Love it so much. That's awesome. So this is Kayla from EC, honestly, and then this is Stephanie and Tegan from the Child Care Revolution podcast. Love it. I don't know if that we needed that ad lib or whatever. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say to you that if there is anybody who wants to reach out, even maybe we'll make it to another province or territory. You never know, right? Like if you want to reach mm. out, email. You can always email um, EC honestly at EC honestly at gmail.com or you can find us on our Instagram and send us a DM at EC honestly. The Child Care Revolution podcast would like to remind our listeners that we are not affiliated with any colleges, universities, associations, or institutions. We're just a couple of passionate educators speaking some thoughts into the air. Thank you for joining us. Please like, follow, and subscribe to listen to more episodes of the Child Care Revolution podcast.